You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. Amen. Well, hey, it's wonderful to see all of you today to worship our Lord. The first half of 2 Samuel chapter 7, just to give you a little bit of a recap if you weren't here. Uh, David, he wants to build a house for God. He's like, I'm in this house. I'm in this mansion. I want to build a house for God. And so David, uh, what he does is he tells that to the prophet Nathan. Nathan goes home. He's like, do what you want, David. Go ahead and build it. And he, uh, he ends up receiving a word from the Lord, this prophet, and he reports it back to David. And basically it says, hey, David, who are you? Are you the one to build a house for my name? Did I tell any, other, any of the other leaders to do that? I've been among the people this whole time. And then he says, and tell my servant David this, that, that I'm going to build a house for him. I'm going to give him peace. I'm going to give the nation of Israel peace. And David, you're not the one to build the house, but your son is. You have a son. And past that, your kingdom will endure the, the throne will not depart from you, which is really a prophecy from Jacob to his son Judah. And he says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. So he, it's in line with scripture. And he says, You're going to, your kingdom will endure forever. So here in 2 Samuel 7, the second half, starting at verse 18, this is David's response to what the Lord says. It says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And, as if it were not enough, in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of, your, of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, this is for a mere human. So, it says, David, he went in. I believe that's as close as he can get to the presence of God. He probably went to the most holy place. He couldn't go into the holy of holies, but he probably got as close as he could. Maybe it's possible he just went inside his house. But what's important is that he was before God. And it says he sat before God, and that the word in the Greek that's used for sat, there in the scripture means to abide, to dwell, to remain, or sit. And so David, he comes, he sits before God, and it's not a normal posture in prayer. It's kind of a weird posture. I don't imagine sitting on the ground. And you have this man who is a king who sits on a throne, and he chooses to sit on the ground before the Lord Most High. So he humbles himself. And you know, that's what you and I need. We need to be in the presence of the Most High God. And there's a great book by Brother Lawrence it's called Practice of His Presence, Practice of the Presence of God. And really, we're always in God's presence because God is omnipresent. He's all-present. He can be everywhere at one time. Who knows the devil can't be all-present? But God can. God doesn't have any rivals. And because of that, He's greater. He's the great one. It says that He's the almighty God. He's the all-knowing God and all-present God. He's with you in times of trouble. And he says that to David in the previous verses. He says, I've been with you everywhere you've gone. And so we want to be people who recognize we're always in the presence of the Most High God. Now it's a little bit different, right? It's a little bit different when we focus on His presence. It's different when we focus on His attributes and we push all of our needs, all of our wants, we push our desires and all of that to the side, right? 
So when we push those aside and we focus on him, it moves his heart. And that's what we want. We want to be in his presence and focus on him because what happens is wonderful. Is one, it brings this great spiritual growth in us. And you know, when you grow, there's, there's great ways to grow spiritually. One is reading the word, worship, through relationship. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But the presence of God does something that nothing else can do. And really, being in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is here. He was here during worship. And he, like I said earlier, he inhabits the praises of his people. But there's something different when we come on our own in private time. Jesus said, when you come before me, don't do it with trumpets. Don't do it like the hypocrites who say, who, you know, they say, look at me, and they have these long prayers. No, it's in the secret place where spiritual growth happens. And leadership growth happens because the Bible says that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we we have what we ask of him. And I think sometimes we don't go and sit before God because it's hard. We're Americans. I like YouTube, right? Some of us, you like Instagram. We, We like to be busy. We're always busy people. And so because of that, it's hard for us to remain and sit. But the Bible says that be still and know that I am God. So it's important to rest before our God. It's important to subject us, subject our body, subject our will, our movement before our King. Because He's greater. And it's saying, Lord, I'm choosing to remain at your feet. I'm choosing to come at your feet. And I think about people who remained at Jesus' feet or came and sat before the Lord. I think of Hannah who prayed the prayer, asking for a child. She can't even get words out. Eli thought she was drunk. She's just moving her lips. He's like, what's wrong with you, woman? Well, God heard her heart. Well, then there's Mary, uh, the sister of Lazarus, Lazarus, and uh, she came, she sat before the Lord, and Martha, her sister's all in a tizzy, and she's like, why ain't my sister helping me? Tell my sister to help me, right? She's getting all all mixed. I'm glad you guys can all lighten up a little bit today. So Jesus said, she's chosen what's better. She wants what's better. She wants to remain with me. But then there's a third person I think about who I think is actually given a bad rap to a degree, and that's the demoniac at the garrisons, at the tombs, the, he cuts himself, no chain can hold him, Jesus comes. The scripture says he came and he fell before Jesus, which is another good point, is that no one can keep someone from the freedom in Christ. No demons could keep him from a freedom. No demons could keep him from coming and worshiping. No one can keep us from coming before the presence and throne of grace. Everyone has a choice. Everyone has free will. Even though he had many demons called legion, which I think it's funny that, that, that the devil uses legion like it's some super powerful thing or super powerful name, Jesus kicked its butt, right? Took care of it like it was nothing. And so nothing can stop us from the throne of grace. The Bible says come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. That's what he needed. He came and fell. Then he's set free. The people of the town freak out. They see him clothed and in his right mind. And they tell Jesus, we want you to leave. 
which they didn't want God's goodness. They didn't want to know the master. They didn't want to know this all-powerful person that did this. But the demoniac, what it says is he came and he sat before Jesus. And he said, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. And you know, when we experience freedom, we experience life, and we find what we need most. We come before him and sit before him. And there's lots of voices, there's lots of competing things for our lives and for our attention, for our hearts, for our minds. But nothing can ever satisfy. There's only one living water, and it's Jesus. So let's be people, let's be people who remain in his presence. David consistently came before God in prayer. He came to his presence. He got as close as he could get. Well, now the veil has been torn. We can get even closer. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit instead of a physical house. So it's important just to sit before our God. And I just love talking about the presence of the Lord because there's nothing like it. Amen? Amen. So it says that he came in. And he sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, sovereign Lord? So he starts to recognize what God says to him. Hey, I'm the one who took you from the sheepfold. I'm the one who placed you as the king of the nation. And he starts to, to, to agree with that. And David, he could have came with a different heart or a different attitude. And God says, I've been with you always. But David could have said, well, I was the one who was in the cave. I was the one who was on the run. I was the one who killed Goliath. I was the one who had spears thrown at me. And he could have came with almost like a victim mentality, but also a pride mentality. But he doesn't do that. He agrees with God. And I think he agrees with God kind of like how Mary agreed with God. She says, may it happen to the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen just as the angel spoken. I want God's will. And so that's what we want. We want his will. We want his way. And so, uh, so he says, what is my family that you've brought me this far? And this, this, is for, this decree is for a mere human. So he's questioning, he's like, I don't understand how this can happen, how awesome that this is, but really the kingdom that would endure forever would be through a God-man, Jesus Christ, through the line of David. And it's funny that this scripture talks about, uh, or this, in this chapter talks about, how Solomon will build a house for his name, how, how he'll have a son who does that. But it's interesting that the son who builds the house for the name actually isn't directly related to Jesus. Isn't, Jesus isn't a descendant of Solomon. He's a descendant of one of David's sons, Nathan, who also has the same mom as Jesus. So Jesus is... It, it went through Mary's line that Jesus came and, and, and through the, the pure blood, because who knows that the blood passes down from the Father. We've talked about that before. And so God used a woman and seed of the Holy Spirit so that you and I, so our sins could be forgiven because life is in the blood, right? And so because of that, there's two different genealogies that we see. We see one in Matthew and we see one in Luke. The one in Matthew is speaking of uh, Joseph's descendants and going all the way down to Solomon. But there's a curse in that line that says that a descendant of one of these, I think it's Jehoiakim, says that, this, that none of his descendants will sit upon the throne. So Joseph actually can't be on the throne. He doesn't have a right or claim to the throne, even though he's of the royal line. But Mary's line is of the line of Nathan once again. 
And so Jesus is in the right line. He, I think it's amazing. God did it on both sides. He did it through his, his uh, stepdad, and he did it through his earthly mom. But then there's a third genealogy in Scripture about Jesus, and that may sound heretic to you, but it's not. It says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's why it's divine. Is because Jesus was there in the beginning. It says he's the light of the world. He's the one shining like a city on a hill. And so we're blessed through that. And David says, almost like, how can this be? A mere human and I receive this? And you and I are part of that Davidic covenant, which is amazing and awesome. It says, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will... You have done this great thing and made it known to your servant according to your word and to your will. Now, I think about Jesus, how Jesus, he's at, he's in the garden, he's before God, and he's, he's basically saying, I don't want to do this. If there's a way for me not to drink this cup of suffering, take it from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And you know, God's will sometimes for our lives is not comfortable. And I would even say, this, this will sound a little controversial, but even prophecy to an extent. <laughs> Let me say it like this. Paul, he's before this man, and he says, hey, give me your belt. And Paul takes his belt off, and the guy wraps his hands and feet, and he says, this, the, man, the owner of this belt will be, will be chained just like I am. And so he gives this prophecy, this word. Now, what, you, what I want you to see is that it was a good word. Didn't sound good. I don't want to be chained. There's a lot of pain in that. But you know, Paul's imprisonment and Paul's punishment was good for all of us. We're all benefits of that. Because the gospel went to all around the world. And it still has to go. The word that Jesus got, or what Jesus was supposed to do, to just lay down his life and die. It was good, but it wasn't fun. And sometimes for our lives, there's some things that God wants to do in us and do through us, and it's for something greater. And I think us as Americans, many times, we think that God's will for our life is just, it's just enjoyable all the time, and it's always pleasing. I think that, that it is true, but you know, you and I are aliens. We don't live for this earth. We live for heaven. We're citizens of a greater place. Amen, everybody? I think I struck a nerve a little bit. But, but as Americans, we may not have the luxury we have today in the next 40, 50 years. I pray that's not the case. It's just important to sit and remember, we're not citizens of this earth. We're citizens of heaven. We want his will. And I'm sure David, he could have came with a posture where he said, hey, I want to build the house. What about me? But he doesn't do that. He says, according to your will, your will is better. And that's what we need to do. We need to submit and say, Lord, your will is better. I know my will sometimes says, Derek wants to be at the lake fishing all the time. Right? Yeah, or Derek wants to go do his own thing. Or, or I want to go drive fast in the car as fast as I can. What's up, Dad? <laughs> so... Going fast is fun, okay? It's fun. My kids aren't in here. It's really fun. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but 
But our, the will, the will of God. So, so my will is sometimes different than God's will. We talked about a little bit of comparison last week about how we, we don't compare to one another. I'm not exactly like Pastor Nathan. God's perfect will for my life is a little bit different for him than for me. It's definitely different for Micah because, once again, politics are boring. God bless the people in it and who want to help and want to do that. For me, that's not God's perfect will for me. I'm going to fall asleep all the time. I'm going to get bored and get up and just quit, okay? So God's will is a little bit different, and we had this conversation last night with our girls because they're going to camp with the Assemblies of God, and and you'd be praying for our students because this is their first week of camp. Um, who are there, and it'll be a, a wonderful time for them. Be praying they come closer to Jesus. Please pray they have their own revelation of who Jesus is and that they'll be safe. Um, I think it's going to be wonderful, but I had to have a conversation with each of my daughters that are going, and the conversations were a little bit different. There were relationship portions to each conversation, but for the older girl, it was to talk a little bit about boys Boyfriends and girlfriends, how that's not, it's not time for that, okay? So it's not time to focus on that. And if your dad finds out, he's going to cut it off, okay? So we had a conversation about that, and it was really sweet. She, so we, I just kind of led her and helped her know I care. You know, we, we want you to focus on the right things at camp. Focus on your friendships. Focus on Jesus. Don't be worried about what anybody says, all that. But then the other kid comes down, and she sits, as soon as she sits down, I was prepared to tell her something else, and then it just clicked in my mind, and I said, okay, you have this money that you're given for camp. It's a different conversation. You have this money. Do not flash this money around. Do not lay this money out in the open all over your bed. Do not count it every night in front of your friends. And then the conversation was, you are not allowed to buy things for your friends at the snack shop. Snack shop, excuse me. You can't do that, okay? You're not allowed to because she's so generous. She'll just, oh, what, you know, she's just being nice. And, then she, and I said, and you have to make this money last all week. Do you understand? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, sure. So it's different conversations. And, and so for our life, it's different. There are things that God wants to do in us and do through us. And you know what? Some of your struggles may be different than some of my struggles, right? Some of you may deal with something in your family that I don't deal with, but God, he's, he's made you that person for that time and that hour and that moment to be a touch or ministry to somebody. You know, even the Bible says that in Acts 17 that, that God, he marks out the areas that we're supposed to live in and what exact time we're supposed to live in. We were meant for this time and for this hour. We were meant for now. I think it's, I think it's 1726, but, but we're, we were meant for this, this time and this hour, and that's a good scripture for you if you're praying over your kids. Know that God, he marked out their time. He marked out their life. He marked out when they would be alive. So it's good. It's good. I pray that's a blessing to you. So he says this, he says, how great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no other God but you. So he's confessing, you are God, and you are God alone. And I really believe that's also him saying, I'm not. I'm not God, but you are. As we have heard with our own ears, and who is like your people Israel, the one nation that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, and to make 
a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods, that's a little g, from before your own people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You established your people Israel as your very own forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. You know, that, that benefits for the nation of Israel, but it affects us. Because Hebrews says that you and I who believe in Christ and follow him, that we're grafted in. We're a part of that. And I never understood that song. Remember that song growing up as a kid in church? Father Abraham has many sons. You know what? Many sons has Father Abraham. Hey, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Left arm, right? Not going to do the whole thing. But we're grafted in. We're sons of Abraham, of Father Abraham. We're a part of the blessing of this Davidic covenant. We're, we're, we get to be a part of that. And you know, this covenant that God speaks to David, it is unconditional. So in Scripture, there is a conditional covenant and there is an unconditional covenant. So a conditional covenant would be like the Edenic, the Edenic covenant. Edenic covenant, excuse me. Where God says, hey, if you eat from the tree of life and, and everything else you'll live, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll surely die. And so that's a conditional covenant. Unconditional would be like the Noetic covenant where God places a rainbow in, his, in the sky and he says, I'm never going to flood the earth again. And that's unconditional, something God says, I'm going to do. And you know, in the Messianic covenant, the covenant that we're under, the covenant in Christ Jesus, it is conditional and it is unconditional. So conditional... To help everyone understand, I'm not saying that it isn't by grace, because it is by grace, and it's by grace alone, which was blood shed on a cross for you and I. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, this is the simplest way to explain this, he said, believe the message of the gospel, believe the gospel, and repent. Repent means just to turn and go the other direction. And we want to turn from our sinful ways. It's all through Scripture. There's some who believe that, hey, as long as you pray that prayer out loud, you just say it one time, you can live however you want because grace abides. No. No, the Bible also says you will know them by their fruit. We want to be people of fruit. And I know I need more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need more of Him. The Bible talks about in Ephesians how how uh, there is a filling of the Holy Spirit, and that the word that's used for filling is a continual filling. We need the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. I need the continuing filling of the Holy Spirit because I, whatever's in me, I use, and then I need filled back up, right? Or I leak it out because people can be tough. Situations can be hard. I get tired. I get hungry. I need a Snickers, Right? So we need a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. I feel like I'm getting off a little bit, but it's all good, right? Praise God. So we're grafted in. We're a part of that. Verse 25 says, "Now, And now, Lord God, keep forever your promise that you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you have promised. 
so that your name will be great forever. And then people will say, the Lord Almighty is God of Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Something really great to see from this prayer is that he's going back to God's promise. We want to go back to his promise, but there's a connection. He says that your name may be made famous forever. The Bible says, Paul writes, you don't get what you want because when you ask in your prayers, you ask so that you might spend what you get on your own desires. When we pray, we should pray like David when he says, Lord, would you do this? Would you do this according to your word so that you'll be made famous, so that you'll be glorified? Because it's not about us. It's about him. He made a way. We're just followers. Amen, everybody? So then he says in verse 27, Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. You know the game changer? We talked about this a few weeks ago. The game changer was revelation. The game changer for us even coming to Christ, what is it? It's revelation. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Now it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who pulls us to the heart of the Father. But it starts with revelation. The Bible says, how can they know if no one is sent? Those who are far from Christ. It's revelation that changes our lives. So we need to be people who are actively listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and we're people of the Word. You know what's interesting? I'm not going to show the verses, but Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16 reap the same production. They bring the same thing which is that you may bring hymns and songs and praises to God. So Ephesians, we'll go, let's go ahead and put it up on the screen, if you guys could. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Next verse. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the heart. Or from the Spirit, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead and put up Colossians. It's, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The Word, the message of Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit bring the same thing. So we need both. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh filling. I do, you ask. The Father says, or Jesus said that the Father won't give us something that we, that we don't ask for. He says, even though you're evil, would you give a snake to your son if he asked for a fish? How much more will your heavenly Father give? Could you guys put that scripture back up for a second? And so singing with songs and hymns and gratitude in your heart. And then the same thing with reading Scripture and being in Scripture because the Bible says that we, want to, we don't want to be conformed, we don't want to be like this world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what does it bring? It brings gratitude. What is gratitude? Gratitude 
it brings, it, it determines our altitude. We want to be people of gratitude. I kind of wonder, like, because God's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's almighty. David wanted to build this house, but I think God saw his heart. Remember that to Samuel, he said, I don't look at the outside of a man, but I look at his heart. And if David didn't have this heart of gratitude, I kind of wonder if he would have been the one that would be used, if God would have used somebody else. And so we want to be people of gratitude. I want God to use me. And it can be hard, right? Like, I can complain about not having cool enough air conditioning, right? Because we're Americans. We have to keep that in our mind, at the back of my mind all the time. I'm an American. I have this thing great. I can actually go get a Snickers bar, right? I can go to a grocery store and get food. I have money to do that. I drive a car. I live in a house. There are people who live in huts or they don't have a roof over their head. There are people who, who grew up in crack houses, right? So it's important for us to remember and be people of gratitude. We live in a fairy tale area. This is not normal. Have you been to Kentucky? I love you, Joni. That was good. It got a good response. <laughs> that was just off the cuff. So I said that and I went, oh, Joni. Shouldn't have said that. So he says, do whatever according to your will as you established. Verse 27, back to the prayer in 2 Samuel. It says, Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this, revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Have courage. Jesus bled on a cross, put nails in his hands and his feet, they did. So that you might just know the Father. Come with courage. Verse 28, Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy. I can have all of, all of my trust in it. And you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, sovereign Lord, have spoken with your blessing. The house of your servant will be blessed forever. You know, there's one word that David keeps saying over and over and over again. Two words, really. Your servant. I found this this week, and I thought this was awesome. We don't know too much about David's mom. We know that his dad kind of didn't think much of him. He just, he didn't even pull him into the house when Samuel came. But his mom, in Psalms 116, verse 16, it says that when David prays, consider me, he says, truly I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. You know, his mom never sat on a throne. His mom was never a queen. His mom was never, her name's not known. But what we do know is she's known as a servant. And so she was a testimony in the life of David. She, she wasn't king, but she, she was meant to be the mother of a king. And I can imagine David had to learn singing psalms and hymns and songs from somebody. 
Who do you think she, he learned it from? I think it was his mom. And he trusts so much in the relationship, he actually writes, I serve you just as my mother did. And he puts his relationship in comparison to his mom. How amazing is that? So even if you're not doing anything great and you're raising kids and, and you're pouring into teenagers, you have an impact. And your impact is greater than you know because your impact is generational. It's not all about you in that moment. Just like how Paul had that was chained and he was whipped, would have had an impact for generations. She had an impact, and she's part of the line of Jesus. How wonderful is that? Don't ever despise where you're at. Don't ever despise what God has called you to do. And how we know the will of God for our life. We talked about this, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean in all your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what will happen? He'll direct your paths. That's how you know you're in the, in the will of God, or you learn how to be in the will of God, is you acknowledge Him, you trust Him, you put your hope in Him, and He'll lead you. And we're sons and daughters of God. The Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. And we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. So don't, don't, don't get all in a tizzy, all upset, all in a fret. Because you compare to somebody else. Don't get in the comparison trap. But what we need, what David does here, is he keeps going back to the word of the Lord. And that's what you and I need to do. And you know what? We're not going to have a dynasty like David. We get to be a part of the benefit of that. But we're not going to have a big house made for us. We're not going to have a, a line that will last forever where someone sits on the throne. It's just not going to happen. Now, we're, we're kings and priests of Christ Jesus. But, but for us, there are different promises in the Bible for us. There's a promise if you raised your kids in the church and the ways of the Lord, the Bible says if you instruct them in his ways, they shall surely not depart from it. And if your kid's getting a little bit off, stand on that word. There's words that you can stand on that are promises for you. The Bible says, do not fear for I am with you. The Bible says that he knows the plans he has for us in Jeremiah 29, 11. And I think one of the best promises for us to read and know and dwell on and meditate on, chew, Spurgeon says that you should take the word of God like it's a honeycomb and suck all the honey, all the honey out of it you can. Psalm 91 is for us. Now, there are church leaders and pastors. I've had a conversation with a pastor in the past two years who told me, well, Psalm 91 is not for you. It's only for Jesus. Think about the doctrine of demons in our culture today. You know, you can pray the word and you can change the word and put your name in it. Not that you twist the word. We don't twist the word. That's what the devil did. The devil said, hey, if you cast yourself off of this and, and your feet hit a stone, the angels, the, angels will command, the, the angels will take care of you so you don't do that. He actually misquotes scripture a little bit. But we can speak promises like this, Psalm 91. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's anybody. And you know, you can say instead of whoever, because I dwell in the shelter of the Most High, 
and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And just take this in as I read it. I'm going to try to read this with passion. And rest in the shadow of the mighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. So you can say, under his wings I find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks by in darkness. COVID-19 has nothing on us. Cancer has nothing on us. Migraines have nothing on us. Nor the plague that destroys by midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, they say, Lord, I say, you're my refuge. And you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up their their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will deliver him and honor him in long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, that's all predicated on whoever. That's a conditional covenant, if you will, conditional contract. So we want to set our hearts on God. Would you all bow with me? Close our eyes. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.